Well, good morning. So like the Apostle Paul, I think we could all say, I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do, right? Isn't that our tension where we all live as guys? Um, about my 10th or 11th year at High Ground and know some of the leaders and guys and um, you know, I just want to share something, especially to you guys that are uh, members here at Vail Church. After about the first time and, and got to meet Craig when he started leading us off, uh, seven or eight years ago, my boys played lacrosse before bass fishing, and we came up to a Vail tournament down here on the fields. And so I, on a whim, called Craig and said, hey, this is a group of guys. I don't know these kids. They're from all over. It was a select team. Could you come do a devotion? And he came and did it. And we were talking on the chairlifts, and I said, you know what, I think this is the best high ground ever. And, and uh, Scott said, well, well, why? And I said, because it's here at the Vail Church. There's something about being here. So thank you, Craig, for opening up your heart. I know after Christmas programs, the last thing you needed was another program here, but um, we are blessed. So five or six days ago, Scott called, and he said, um, you know, we're going to have Kelly Shackelford, First Liberty, and you believe in religious freedom, right? And I said, yeah. And he goes, you believe in the Constitution? I said, absolutely. Bill of Rights. You got it. Do you believe in free speech? And I said, yes. And he goes, so that's exactly what we want from you, Jason. <laughs> and so um, that was only four or five days ago. And, and so I said, well, let me... So th there's a scene in Jaws, and I'll tell you where they put me on the schedule. So there's a scene in Jaws after the first girl, Chrissy, gets eaten by the shark, and the next day, the newspaper guy. It's a small story. We're going to bury it in the back by the grocery ads. And so I looked on the schedule, and they got me on Friday morning in between an astronaut and Kelly and Dr. Cook and then Mike tonight. And, and then they cover me with a killer breakfast. I said, everybody's going to be asleep. <laughs> but just for you other speakers and Mike, just look at the number of people here from my speech today. So... <laughs> So I'm gonna, this is going to be um, a little bit of an eclectic message, and I hope you have something to take away. You may notice some cards or flyers and, you know, glamorous speaking and leading a church. Craig and I are in the back without a secretary or Brendan. We're trying to figure out how to make more copies of this. It was really funny to watch a while ago. Um, but... Um, there's, there's three or four things, and I'm going to get pretty real, and, and really this is those of you who get to speak, and especially messages, it's really about, I'm, I'm preaching to myself, so I'm going to walk through this with you, okay? So um, if you'll take out the first one, and the first question is really hard, okay? And, and you should have pins in the back of the chairs, but on that line that says that's under my five days, I want you to write your name, okay? So we're going to start out slow. You got about two more seconds. So write your name, not N-A-M-E, write your actual name. <laughs> the next one you ought to be able to get, if you have your license, you can double check, but the day I was born, write down that day. Then the next one, I'm going to get back to it later, but I want you, if you know, to write down your spiritual birthday. Then the next line is the day I found out why. Why did I have a spiritual birthday? 
Why did the creator of the universe create me? He didn't just create me to do some, anything. He created me for a purpose. So if you know that why and that date, put that down. Here's another one. It should be pretty easy, but I'll help you. This day is March 3rd, 2023. And then who knows what that day is. That's the day God either calls us individually home or he comes back and gets us right. So there's only two days that really matter right now. It's this day. What are we going to do with it? And that day are we going to be ready, right? And then lastly, if you know it and have it, write down your life first. Mine is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him and what? He will direct your paths. There's that humble flip from what Craig said. I am here, and then here am I. That humbleness. Okay? Um, Scott mentioned, have the opportunity to be part of a great ministry. And um, so yesterday at a distribution center, an employee shot his supervisor and then shot himself in front of 800 people. And four days ago, a 24-year-old at a Chick-fil-A shot himself. And so I want to encourage you men, because I've met some of you that are from around here. Don't think you have to be Billy Graham or Kelly or go on a mission trip to Africa. God has placed you right in the middle of the world's largest mission field, the workplace. And right now, God is doing miracles in the workplace. There's an opening unlike anything ever else. In our world of employee care and taking care of people, we have 2,200 chaplains. They'll go in 5,700 work sites this week in North America from tugboats down in salt mines to car dealerships and, and you name it, just helping people with problems, responded to crises. But this past year, we've had atheist owners that have hired us, Muslim owners that have hired us. We're in public corporations now and why? Because the world is dying and they come say, Jason, we need your help. I may not believe in your faith, but we need your help. And God has put, opened up, 10 years ago, if we said mental health, what does everybody think? Straight jacket, white walls, don't talk crazy, all that, right? But now mental health is, I think this is a movement of God in the, in the, in the workspace, in the, the workplace. You know, not everybody comes to Vail Church on Sunday, but where do they go Monday morning to work? And about 90% of the people at work do not have a Vail Church or a Craig but yet they get sick and die and have problems at home and all that. So I want to encourage you where you're at. If you really looked at your coworkers, your customers, um, your trade groups, we know that a company of 100 employees has a reach to 8,000 employees. So if you think about your reach and what you have as your platform for ministry, don't blow it. God has you there for a reason. And you've got a great opportunity to share the, the gospel. All right, let's go to the, the next page. Back page of the next page. Talked a lot and you heard um, Charlie and them say, you know, Lord, I need to know what to do. I need direction. And we all come to those junctures in life along our journey, right? And, and there's multiple paths. And, and I believe as a Christian, a lot of times... There's a lot of good choices, and God says, yeah, that's okay. You can go do that. If you've been on it, that's fine. But I really have something really cool, but you can go do that. 
So here's, here's a little exercise I want us to go through, and it's something you can use uh, in the future. And so what you really want to pray for, God help me, tell me what to do, right? That's usually about how far we go, right? So what you're really praying for is a word of knowledge, which is what to do. And if we go to 1 John 2.27, he says, But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it is taught you, you will abide in him. What he's saying there is, I've given you everything. I have given you the Holy Spirit. You don't need anyone else really to teach you. Seek me. And you also heard a couple of words in there of a favorite verse, what? John 15, 5. If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, you will do what? You will ask and I will give it to you. So if you want to know what to do, I want you to pray along those things. So here's some other attributes of a word of knowledge. Supernatural revelation of the divine will and plan. How many times have we made up our own will and plan and say, hey, God, will you bless this? It's kind of backwards, isn't it? Supernatural insight or understanding of circumstances or a body of facts by revelation without assistance of any human resource but solely on divine aid. Involves moral wisdom for right living and relationships, so God's not going to bless us. Requires objective understanding concerning divine things and human duties. May also refer to knowledge of God or the things that belong to God as related in the gospel. That's a word of knowledge, okay? So next time you have a decision, you don't know what to do, pray what to do, but pray in the spirit along these lines. And then, this is where we usually stop. And us guys, we're our own worst enemies, right? We have a lot of means. We've done a lot of things. We have a lot of resources. We can power through situations with money, our intellect, our influences, right? But once God tells you what to do, then what do you need to know? How to do it, right? That's a word of wisdom. So let's look at 1 Corinthians 3, 18 and 19. This one, okay. Kind of the, in, in my Bible, the heading was avoid worldly wisdom. So let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of, the, of this world is what to God? Foolishness, right? It's foolishness. Supernatural knowledge rightly Applied. Let me give you a few more things on how to do it. Supernatural perspective to ascertain the divine means for accomplishing God's will in the given situation on, on what to do. Divinely given power to appropriate spiritual intuition and problem solving. A sense of divine direction. Being led by the Holy Spirit to act appropriately in a given set of circumstances. So wisdom, this is what woke me up at 3 o'clock. What is the beginning of wisdom? The fear of the Lord, right? And so I thought about David, and in Psalms 51, after all of his problems and he's lamenting, 
We usually quote Psalm 51, 9 and 10. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me, right? Do you know what comes after that? And this is, this is where I've been afraid and um, what I haven't really realized or thought much of. What does he say next? God, do not remove me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Because then you know what? We're lost, guys. That's real wisdom right there. If we can humble ourselves and understand that this isn't a game anymore, right? Okay, so then you know what to do. You know kind of how to do it from God's perspective. Then you want to pray for discernment, right? Because Job went and asked all his buddies and got bad advice. Now that this God's plan is coming together, you're going to be attacked by who? Ephesians 6, the enemy, right? So... What usually happens along these things we build? There's distractions, there's detours, there's trouble, there's hardships. And what you're praying for is in 1 John 4, 1, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world, and by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh of God and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist. So in all things, we need to pray for discernment along everything that comes our way. You have to test the spirits. Discernment, uncovering landmines, detours, and deceptions. Supernatural power to detect the realms of the spirit and their activities. You heard a lot about that from uh, Charlie yesterday. Implies the power of spiritual insight, supernatural revelation of plans and purposes of the enemy and his forces. We don't just wrestle against Satan. We wrestle against forces, armies, battles coming after, after us, guys. Last thing. And I've heard some, some of it this week, and it's really good to hear, is... Pray for prophecy. And what is prophecy? Let's look at 1 Corinthians 14.3. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Prophecy is divinely inspired and anointed utterance. Supernatural proclamation in a known language. Not talking about speaking in tongues and interpreters and not all that. It's, it's something you can hear from another, either from God or from another, another believer. It's manifestation of the Spirit of God, not intellect. I would propose to this group that the biggest battle we all fight is working through our intellect. This, this room's pretty full of some smart people, right? We can get a lot of things done and we've done a lot of things. This is a whole, nother, a whole nother realm if you're going to continue to move forward and go where God wants you to go. And I'm the worst at it because here's what I usually do, especially after 20 years of seeing God work and bless our ministry now to serve about 1.3 million employees and family members, is I look back and say, oh, we did this. We did this program. We did this promotion. Oh, God worked in this way, so he's going to work in this way again, right? 
Sounds like financial past performance is no indicator of future results. So don't fall into that trap. It's a new day. There's a new day coming. God's got new, greater, bigger things. If he, if he told all of us what he really had planned for us and how he was going to accomplish it, we couldn't handle it, right? It's, it's day by day. Divinely anointed words. And that's where iron sharpens iron. That's where we need to be better about encouraging one another, right? Because God can give you a word to just go and encourage someone. And you don't know maybe why, but if God gives it to you, go do it right then. Go say, hey, brother, I love you. I'm praying for you. I'm here for you. And isn't that the problem that we talked about in some of the speakers in today's society, a performance-based society? And we've all been guilty because what's the first thing we do when we meet somebody new? What do we ask them? What do you do? And you know what? It's never good enough, is it? You know what you are the day after you win a, a title or the day after you uh, quit Major League Baseball or they shut down NASA? You know what you are? A former <laughs> something. For you guys in sales, Lars and Apple, you have the best quarter ever. Now what? <laughs> what are you going to do next quarter? That's this world, and that's what we have to guard against. Okay. Last little things. I wanted to give you something practical to take home. So I have a Navy SEAL that's on my sales team, and then our deputy chief of chaplains was a Green Beret, and so I've learned some cool stuff. So you see the little charts down there, the little lines, squiggly lines? These are some breathing exercises. And I'll show you something cool about them. So the first one, the I is inhale, H is hold, and E is exhale. So on the first one, you want to, I usually do this. I inhale to eight, hold eight, and exhale to 32. The exhale is, should be twice as long. So try that. So inhale to a number, count. Now hold to that same number. Now exhale to double that number. You do that two or three times, I go to sleep. So here's the next one. It's called box breathing. And before, if you get nervous or anxious, this is something you can use. So you inhale to five seconds, hold five seconds, exhale five seconds, and then hold five seconds. And you can just keep repeating that because we're like, this is our normal breathing, right? But these next ones are pretty cool and applicable to today. The next one is called ladder breathing, but here's, here's how I do it. Instead of... Inhale five and exhale five with no hold. I use it as a prayer. I say, I inhale grace and I exhale praise. Try that four times. Inhale grace, exhale praise. Inhale grace and exhale praise. Inhale grace and exhale praise. So today, this last one would be very helpful. If you're in the glades or running ripsaw and you're stopped for a minute and your legs and feet are killing you and you notice you're <laughs> like this. So take a big breath and then take another one and that'll clear out all that carbon dioxide and breathe out. Does some of y'all do that? I see you. Yeah, he knows it. You try it today and immediately it'll stop all that <laughs> panning like the, the dog, right? So here's where I want to end.
July 29th, 1973. I was seven. We're coming back from our little farm and pickup truck. My dad always had a Bible on his dashboard. Sunday afternoon, probably 5.30, could see the sunset. He told me about Jesus and asked if I wanted to accept him into my heart. I said, yeah. Started crying and weeping, didn't know why. Next day, he brought me my first Bible. And he wrote July 29th, 1973, a day of salvation. And he wrote 1 Timothy 5.12 in there, let no man despise thy youth, but be there an example of the believers in word and conversation and faith and charity and purity. And I haven't done that very well a lot of times. But I say that to say this. Maybe you can't point to that day. And maybe it was a time over a period of a few months or whenever. Maybe you were 12 at a youth camp or young life camp over at Frontier Ranch. Or maybe it was back here. But you can update your spiritual birthday. You, there's always a point where you can stop going down our stupid ways of trying to make things happen and repent Turn 180 degrees from whatever you're addicted to. Power, money, women. We don't have to go through that. Whatever God's calling you to a new place of sanctification, today can be a new spiritual birthday for you and for me. And today is March 3rd. So maybe, I don't want to assume, but maybe there's someone here that's really never, they know about Jesus they believe he exists. They believe in church. They believe in all the good stuff. They know it's his tough stuff. Tough stuff. I listen to sermons and I read the Bible, but I haven't really made him Lord of my life. What that means is, when it says don't have idols, we think of wooden carve stuff. An idol is anything that attracts your attention and your time and your resources more than God. Your job. Us guys in ministry, you think, oh, we got it. You heard some of Craig's struggles. Oswald Chambers said the only thing that can get, that, that can help really separate your relationship for God is your service to God. A lot of us in ministry get too busy doing ministry and we forget our relationship with God. So whatever it is, I want everybody to close their eyes and bow down and nobody look. And if you're not sure and you really don't know if you've had a spiritual birthday or a spiritual week, a spiritual month or even a spiritual year, where you know that you know that you know that whether you die today on the slopes or God comes back, that your name is in that Lamb's book of life and you'll be with God the Father in eternity because of what Jesus did on the cross and how he conquered the grave. And then maybe for some of us that are believers, you know, one degree off track will get you way far away from God over time. And just maybe today you say, God... I'm kind of at the end of myself and I've blown it. And I want to do better, but I can't on my own. But would you help me? And I'll be very careful to give you the glory 
and I want to be a better husband, father, worker, leader, pastor. God, you've put me right where I'm at. Help me to see others as you see them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you all.